Well, the college basketball season is over. Michigan got bumped in the Sweet 16, uh, lost to Texas Tech, which went on to lose to Virginia then in the finals. We don't have to really even rehash that because news came to us today, uh, Tuesday. We're recording this on Tuesday. News came to us this afternoon that Charles Matthews, Jordan Poole, and Iggy Brasdakis are declaring for the draft, which is non-binding, as I'm sure most of us know by now. So it's a, uh, you know, it's, it's not like all three of them are gone for sure, but it's uh, you know, definitely a step towards leaving. So I just want to know: Did you find any of this surprising? No, the only thing I find surprising is the fact that there are so many people who find this surprising. Okay, I was going to mention the exact same thing. Yeah, I, I couldn't see why this would surprise anyone, and I'm glad you saw that too. And I've seen in a lot of other outlets and and people who are, are popular amongst the the Michigan media are saying the things like, "Hey, yeah, every year a guy is no longer good enough after you think he's really great." At some point during the season, he's no longer good enough to even get drafted. He's going to fail out of the NBA, go to the G League, go to Europe, whatever whatever they want to say. All of a sudden, when their player that they love to watch decides to declare, it's like the world ends. And, and that's just the scope of college basketball. And, you know, I'd be incredibly happy for all three of these guys if, in fact, they get drafted, even if it's in the second round. I mean, there's no one who comes to Michigan at their level, at least. And I would say a lot of the players' levels who are getting recruited on scholarship. Uh, there's no one who really wants to maybe come to Michigan and not have aspirations to, to at least test out the next level. The NBA is not for everybody, and there's definitely guys who have great careers and programs and, and don't get a shot at the NBA. But, I mean, if you're thinking of Iggy, Matthews, and Poole in particular, they've all said it, and they would have told you this years ago, they want to play in the NBA. And so for me personally – Anytime someone has that opportunity, I would be happy for them. And and I think that they all could make good NBA players. So under new NCAA rules, players can get an agent, declare early, go through the evaluation process. And after that, then if they want to come back to school, if they get the feedback that they weren't hoping for, they can come back. And now they can also go through the draft. And if they don't get drafted, they can come back then too. So there's like two main opportunities there for a player to, to come back, uh, assuming they then don't get drafted if they do end up going actually through the draft. I think the thing that maybe threw people off was that we were all, we all it was a foregone conclusion that Charles Matthews is gone. It, it was it, maybe the news dump of like Charles Matthews, Jordan Poole, and Iggy Brasdakis. Like at one time, maybe it just like slapped people upside the head. And I was like, oh my gosh, Jordan Poole and Iggy Brasdakis too. That's the only thing I can really think of because those two players are going to the NBA at some point. Um, You know, I guess if you, if you had to rank like the likelihood that they're leaving now, uh, Jordan Poole is probably third there. He's the one who you would expect to come back, I think. Charles Matthews, like I said, foregone conclusion that he's gone. Brasdakis is sort of, I see him as like a 50-50, and I think that's how a lot of people see him. So maybe that's what got people. It was just all at one time, uh, a classic news dump and hit him upside the head. 
Yeah, you know, as a fan, and and I would say even as someone who maybe works in the media, I think of some of the the beat writers and such. I mean, to have the school announce it first is great. It's not. I mean, I have nothing wrong with the little notes pad or the notes app uh, screenshot or or the Instagram story announcement. But I like the fact that the school announced it, you know, kind of sent it all out at one time saying, hey, these this is what these players are doing and the decision that they could potentially make. And so it is a lot to take in, but I'd rather have it all be announced today uh, than find out Friday that uh, Iggy's going to test the waters and, and find out next Wednesday that Matthews is gone for sure. And two weeks later, Poole's going to try out the NBA. I would rather have it all in one day. And so, but I do, I do understand that that is a lot of news, but Hey man, it gives us something to talk about, especially on the podcast. And I'm always down for that. We're appreciative. So who do you think is the most NBA ready player? I'm actually going to say uh, Iggy Brasdakis. And, and with that, I also say that I am more confident that he leaves than any one ounce, including Charles Matthews. Charles Matthews probably makes the most sense, but at the same time, Iggy's 20, uh, I believe, if not even older than that by now. I think he's, I think he's 20, will be 21 next January is what I read in Nick Baumgartner's story. So, I mean, he's not the typical freshman. He was the freshman... Uh, of the year in the Big Ten, he has a lot, of, quite a few accolades for his one year in college basketball. But I think he's the most NBA ready. I think he's the player on Michigan's roster that scouts are going to drool over in terms of his potential, uh, just the way his demeanor, his attitude, his physicality, being able to get to the cup. I think that if Charles Matthews continued to play at the level that he played last year in the NCAA tournament. Not that he didn't play good at times this year, but once he kind of sat out a couple of games, he didn't return to the Charles Matthews form that maybe we were used to or would like to have seen. And so I would say that Iggy's got the best chance to get drafted, would probably get drafted the highest, uh, and is, is probably a guarantee to go. I'm pretty confident that Charles Matthews won't return either, but at the same time, I wouldn't be surprised if he does. And then for Jordan Poole, I think it's just based on his evaluation, how he feels. I kind of feel like he's a Zach Gentry situation where it could work out, it might not, but maybe at the point where he's just ready to explore it. Because again, this is a a dream of all three of these players. Yeah, I think Jordan Poole is definitely like third there, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Who do you think hurts Michigan the most if they leave? Well, I mean, if all three of them leave, then everybody. I mean, absolutely. That's three That's three starters and, and three uh, capable scorers. Uh, when Michigan couldn't seem to find a go-to scorer when they needed it most, um, that was frustrating knowing that these three guys could all kind of get their shot and, and go on a run. But if you lose all three of them, Uh, I mean, that's a real big challenge and some big voids to to fill, even if not all of them played at the level they were capable of at a consistent basis. But I would say that the hardest replace would be Charles Matthews just because of his experience, uh, not only at Kentucky, but uh, that year at Michigan as he was waiting uh, to be eligible to play again. And then the two seasons he's put in, uh, I think that he's probably the toughest to replace. Uh, Iggy's a talent that's going to be hard to find probably for a long time especially at Michigan. There might be other guys that pop up like him. And then Jordan Poole really never showed enough consistently. Uh, there, there are obviously wow moments and moments where you're like, wow, this this kid could be really, really good and really solid. But he was also quiet enough at times where uh, he'll be missed, absolutely. 
Uh, but I think that you can get by and have someone replace him a little easier than than both Matthews and Brazdakis. Yeah, and what sucks is all three of them are um, they were top scores, top three scores. Oh yeah. So I, th- I think Brazdakis is probably the toughest one to replace because he was the top scorer, and this is a team that already struggled offensively. So if, I mean, what are you going to do if I mean if one of them leaves, it's it's kind of like a dent. But if you know, two or three of them leave, especially if it's Brazdakis and Poole, which I know that's a weird combo if we're talking about only two leaving. But that, you know, gosh, for for a team that just didn't have many offensive answers, to have any combination of, of, of these three go would would be um it'd be one of those things where I'm I'm holding, I'm I'm reserving my my optimism for next season, I think. Yeah. I mean, I'm with you. It's, I feel like, and then that's, that's the hard part about the big news step is you start thinking right away of, wow, Michigan would look way different without these three guys. And kind of, you see them in the top of the polls, a lot of outlets have them as a top four, top five team. Some even Michigan state one, Michigan two. And, and, and even I saw, I listened to this earlier about Virginia and how, uh, Jerome and Hunter probably both will will test the NBA waters and how they're projected to be one of the top teams, but without them, how Virginia is going to hurt. And this is a team coming off a national championship. So I can guarantee you Michigan won't be the second best team in the country if all three of these guys leave and unless other guys step out. But without having those scorers, uh, that's going to be really difficult to replace. And then the reason I picked Charles Matthews is the same reason I picked him to be Michigan's most important player in the NCAA tournament. It's just the the defense he provided uh, and then also the leadership. I think that those maybe aren't as important uh, as he, in terms of his draft stock, uh, but in terms of his importance to Michigan, always usually guarding the the best, the opponent's best offensive player, um, having some of that veteran leadership uh, that you heard throughout the season was really helpful to a lot of guys. And, and then just the relationship he had with all the players and coaches. Uh, and then just, just personally, I think because of how long we've been anticipating him after he made the transfer, and he's been there the same amount of time as Jordan Poole, has in terms of on the court presence, but I think I'll personally miss Charles Matthews the most just because of uh, kind of the run he was able to to provide in, in his two years as a, a full time starter. So, who do you think on the roster right now stands to gain if if you know one, two, or all three of them go? I mean, first thing you've got to look at is Isaiah Livers. I think Isaiah Livers was obviously going to start regardless because you could have at least guessed that Matthews was going to go for sure, uh, if not Iggy as well. But I think Livers obviously inserts him in, in a starting role. And also there are times where I watched Isaiah Livers play where it felt like he could do so much more. And in the Big Ten semifinal, uh, when he had that really good career-high game and when he looked good on both the offense and defense side, I really started to think of him in the future, not a guy that I think will obviously test the waters this year, uh, probably will next year, I would guess. But I think if anything, he's going to relish that opportunity and be able to take advantage of some holes because he's got a lot to prove if he wants to play at the next level. I think he's got the tools to do it both offensively and defensively. And so I think that he benefits the most uh, if, if other guys move on. Yeah, I think that's the obvious answer and the one I would go with. Isaiah Livers was very good, efficient offensively. And if you're talking about losing offense, he's a good player to slip into whatever hole is left. Uh, it, it'll be it, it'll be interesting to see if he can 
keep that efficiency over a larger sample that he would presumably get as a starter. But I, I don't, I don't see anyone else on the roster who stands to gain as much as he does. It's also worth noting here that John Beeline is really good at, at this. He's really good at developing players and sending them off to the NBA and getting someone else to come fill in for them. You know, this is, um, it's not new, obviously. It's something that we should be used to. At least I am. I think most people probably are, but, um, it's one of those one of those things where I think right now we just gotta kind of sit back and say, "I know John's got this," and that makes me feel a little better. Yeah, I have full confidence in John Beeline as long as he's the head coach of the Wolverines. One of the things that excites me and and also is terrifying at the same time uh, is that transfer portal. Uh, but grad transfers in college basketball is proven again and again in the NCAA tournament. Grad transfers really can lift a team, like a Texas Tech, for example, uh, with some pretty notable grad transfers on their squad. One that was interested in Michigan at one point uh, in Mooney. And, and for me, if you can find a grad transfer who can come in and be a starter uh, and be a scorer, that helps fill a void instantly. Uh, but the other thing is you got to look, you got to look towards the guys who didn't play a lot on the bench this year, like Brandon Johns. Uh, he is a guy, honestly, who I think would benefit as well uh, if he if he can be the player that. Michigan expects him to be. I would have liked to see more of him as the season went on. It kind of turned into a, a Colin Castleton because he was the big guy who maybe was a better fit to replace some of John Teske's size when Teske was in foul trouble or just simply tired um, from all of the things he was doing. But between a grad transfer and some of the guys uh, that would would have came off the bench this year, I do think that there's other opportunities. And in the sense that John Beeline has been so good with his staff at developing players. I really have the confidence moving forward, even though, again, you probably know that you're not going to replace someone like an Iggy for a long time just because he's one of the more unique players I've seen in college basketball and especially one of the most unique players uh, as a Michigan Wolverine. Now let's say Jordan Poole goes. That two-guard spot then is left completely up in the air between Eli Brooks and... um, Oh my gosh. David DeJulius. David DeJulius. Thank you. That's the way I see it. Those two guys would be going after that two spot. Uh, Who do you see possibly getting that? Yeah. So what's interesting about DeJulius is he's probably best fit to to run the point behind Xavier Simpson, but I can see it uh, kind of working like a a Derek Walton or a Xavier Simpson when he was younger uh, to where you have to get him on the floor to get them that experience. And so automatically I would, I would think that DeJulius, even though he's maybe a little bit undersized uh, would have a chance to play more alongside Xavier Simpson, because at some point if he's going to be the next point guard, David Simpson has one year left and David Julius is going to have to prove himself. There were a few moments during the season where he felt a little bit of a Derek Walton Jr. vibe, maybe a mix of Trey Burke in there in terms of some of the dribbling and, and that first step. And so if he's going to be a go-to guy, he is a guy who I think will see a lot of time at that two spot if Jordan Poole, in fact, moves on. And so in terms of current roster players, I'm going to go with him over Eli Brooks, although I'm sure that Eli Brooks will continue to have a role. I just think that DeJulius' ceiling is higher, and also his future role is more important than, than Brooks would be. I agree with 
those last two things you said definitely that the ceiling is higher and uh he's 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 gonna have uh his, his role is more important that he's he's gonna have to become a bigger more prominent player i think eli brooks looked really good in like the big 10 tournament and kind of in the ncaa tournament which gave me a little hope that his game offensively could develop to the point where you know he is all of a sudden like a little bit of a scoring threat but yeah, I just I don't know how that exactly will work out. I think that's the one of the areas that we'll have to not forget as we talk about what Michigan's going to do going forward. Yeah, especially that. And I look at the recruits anytime I can. I think Jalen Wilson is a guy who he's listed as a more of a three. But again, if that's another guy who can come in and have an impact as a freshman, you're going to have to guess that he's going to see a lot of time on the court uh, because. Again, I think this was a year where Bras Dacus, I knew he was going to probably start and get a lot of time, but he ended up being the go-to player in a lot of games, and I think that's the reason that other guys in that class saw less time because instead of just a guy that could contribute, he had to be the go-to in some games. And so, again, if he leaves, Matthews leaves, and even Poole, I think that Jalen Wilson coming in uh, with his size and his ability to score and also gets to the basket, I, I think that you could expect to see a lot of time from him, uh, even if it's at the two spot. I mean, at some point, John Beeline just has to put the best players on the court. Uh, his system and philosophy is going to, to stay the same. But, I mean, to get some bigger combo guards in there uh, to fill some shoes, you don't get that from Jordan Poole because he's not small, uh, but he, he's not as as athletic maybe defensively as you, you might like in what seems to be uh, a Beeline new system of, of defense first. Okay, the one player we haven't mentioned, John Teske. Do you think he stands to gain anything from this? You know, I think that John Teske's role is going to be so crucial no matter what happens. Uh, And I think that he might have to be more of a go-to. Like, you've got to get him the ball in the paint. He's got to be able to hit some of those threes. Uh, But in terms of filling the gap that the three players that could potentially uh, get drafted in the NBA, I think that – He's maybe too far removed from that position group to where he's really got to be a stud either way if we're talking about Michigan doing something meaningful next season. All right. You got anything? Any last words? No, my dog had a couple of words there, but uh, I mean, he always, it's always does. appreciated. He uh, he really enjoyed the uh, national championship game last night. Him and I were both, uh, uh, wife went to bed. Him and I were both kind of, you know, tuning in and got a little bored in the beginning, but as almost every championship game seems to, to be in the NCAA tournament as of late, it turned into a game. And, you know, it's just crazy to think that uh, the, the season has come and gone. It goes by a little bit, takes a little bit longer than the college football season. I feel like we'll podcast, uh, do a preview about how Shea Patterson's going to light up. And, and next thing you know, we're not even wanting to talk about a, a Michigan-Florida uh, bowl game. And I feel like that's over the course of four weeks. So uh, it definitely uh, goes on a little bit longer, but just a good season. And, and I'm hopeful that at least one of those guys will, will choose to return uh, because I do think that all of them could benefit uh, from more. But if not, go chase your dream. Uh, and it's next man up for the Wolverines. All right. Well, thanks for checking us out on the Go Blue Crew. If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can do it at Ty underscore Fenwick. Follow Derek at Divine Identity. Thanks for listening. Go Blue. Go Blue.